Welcome to the BLC Connection Podcast. I'm Brian Kell. I'm Karen Wilson. And I'm Michael Lawrence. Let's get connected. Welcome into the BLC Connection Podcast. And uh, we have still kept the crew here. And we're, we're I think this is our fifth one. Karen Wilson. Yes. Michael Lawrence. Hello. <laughs> and we are we are kind of podcasting at the uh, at the operations uh, building here on Smithville Highway. We'll talk a little bit about what all goes on out here in this episode of the Connection Podcast. Uh, Karen, you've got, well, there's a lot of stuff hopping around Channel 6, the magazine, and events going on. Well, there are. We're kind of taking a breather right now at Channel 6 and then working on lots of wonderful stories coming up for the Connection magazine, and I'll touch on that later. Fresh off of uh, election coverage with more election stuff to come later on this year. Micah, uh, Karen's going to be grilling us about Protect IQ and Experience IQ. Yep. Yeah, I think we're going to wrap up uh, everything uh, that's associated with Ben Loman Home. So this is some good services to add to it, and I think everybody will enjoy it. And you've got a little bag of trivia for us too, don't you? Absolutely. Okay. And also, we're going to be talk- taking you inside, like we said, the ops building here at Ben Loman Connect and discuss some of the early processes of bringing about fiber before it is installed at your home or business with Chad Dees. That is next here on the BLC Connection Podcast. We're back here on the BLC Connection Podcast. We are at the Ops Building, and uh, Micah and I are joined by uh, someone who uh, is no stranger to us and who is... uh, probably two of his favorite people to debate uh we he calls it probably debate sometimes it might even get into i'm not gonna say argument but but just a, a friendly debate it is chad d's director of operations at ben Lemon connect chad welcome in to the blc connection podcast thank you <laughs> um 20 years of this place first uh that that's coming up uh, in june uh, of this year and uh this is a, this is a pretty special facility I would agree. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one that uh, maybe a lot of people don't know what goes on here, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But tell us, you know, when, when we're talking about uh, fiber and, and you know, I think as of right now, we're like 77% fiber right now. A lot of people, one of their basic questions they always ask is, is where how do we determine where fiber is going? Can you kind of t- walk us through some of those processes? So the process has changed over the years. I think originally we really looked at usage, and it was it was more usage-based. If we saw areas of high demand, then we kind of targeted those areas. Since then, it's been driven more about uh, the cost of um, constructing the fiber. So we're looking for locations where the density or you know, grant opportunity or whatever um, – in that area allows us to build it and be most cost effective. So it's more of a cost, I think, today than it is um, the usage. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned just a couple things. I mean, grants play a huge part in, in where we're going, but then also we've got areas within our service territory area that are that are maybe on copper uh, that we need to get those converted over. So it's a mishmash, uh, at least right now, of current service territory that we that we have and that we serve and others that are being added through grants you know the last five years we really we focused on the ILEC um so we explain what that is real quick for so, throw around stuff. so that's our incumbent area so that is the the area in which we have a boundary to serve um so we've really covered and, and focused in on the ILEC which would be you know the counties in which we serve the 11 counties um we had some of those that were still copper and, and that's been the focus since about 2017. Okay. So, Chad, we try to educate uh, our listeners on some of the terminology that we use. Um, when we talk about fiber, we talk about, you know, first having to, to go out staking and then also the construction of the fiber. Can you tell us what this means and what kind of this involves? So staking is not the first uh, the first part of the engineering process, but it's probably one of the most important. So... When staking happens, that is the first time that we actually have employees with boots on the ground in the actual service area. So what they're doing is they're walking out every route. They're determining the size of the fiber. They're determining everything that would be needed to place the fiber, whether it should be aerial, whether it should be buried, uh, what type of obstacles are in the way. And one of the most important things is through that process, they come up with a material list, which allows us to, to basically be able to go out and order every piece and part 
and every foot of fiber that we would need for that project and give an estimate of what the cost would be associated with that. So staking is definitely not the first part of the process, but probably one of the most important. Um, as far as construction, construction is a long process when it comes to putting in fiber. So you're looking at the, the, the first, you know, the first thing you will do is determine the area in which and the boundary in which you're going to serve. Um, that is part of the engineering process before staking happens. Once that's done, the staking process will go into place. Material will be ordered. You know, at this day and time on a normal basis, we would look at, you know, basically a 16-week lead time on a lot of material. Some of that lead time now can be as much as 80 weeks, depending on what the material is. Um, so everything seems to be pushing out even farther. So you're, you could be looking at 80 weeks from the original time that we put boots on the ground till we actually start the construction process just because we're waiting on on material. Uh, but once the process starts and construction starts, we will first send in a construction crew. They will basically place the cable. Um, a lot of people see this and they think they get really excited because they think at that point in time they're getting really close to getting service. Um, it's just the very beginning of the process. So the cable's being placed. Once the cable is placed, they will come back, they will record that into our software so that we know the cable is there. And then the splicers will go out and start splicing all these cables together. Um, this takes quite a, bit of, uh, quite a bit of time. So they will splice it, they will test it. Uh, once it's tested, um, at that point, you know, you're ready for you're ready for a drop at your house and service. But we're talking several, several months um, of splicing and several months of construction before that happens. Chad, we, we spoke to Greg a few months ago, and, and one of the main topics back then was trying to get out of this global supply chain issue that, that you know, kind of cranked up, I guess, maybe fall of last year or winter definitely of last year and this year. Can you kind of, We're recording this in, in the latter part of May. Can you kind of talk about, you know, where we kind of stand when it comes down to, because you said it's so important on getting equipment and getting things in. How is that today in, in late May? Well, you, you mentioned the warehouse that we have here in the operations build, you know, building that, that we're in presently. So one of the things that we've done is we've got out orders ahead of time and tried to really stock a lot of the things that we think we'll need to complete these projects. So we've tried to get out in front of this as much as we can. But that being said, it's kind of a moving target. This is the first time that I've seen that it's actually affected all products. It's not just plastics or not just electronics or not just metal. It's everything. So... You know, from remote controls, we've had issues with that. We, you know, some of the most basic of things that you wouldn't normally think you would have an issue with have been an issue. Uh, we've worked tirelessly with our vendors almost on a daily basis. Um, we switched some products around, so we've changed uh, some of the cable that we use. We've changed some of the products that we use to, to those that are easier to get, that we can get faster. So we're doing everything that we can, I guess, to, to keep up with it and make sure that projects stay on time. Um, but there are some things that we're not willing to sacrifice. So um, when it comes to quality control and things of that nature, we're not going to sacrifice anything that we think is going to either sacrifice um, the quality of the plant or the quality of the service. Um, that we're not going to do. But if, if, there are, there are, if there are alternatives, you know, we look at that. You hear a lot of term. You, you hear aerial and and and, uh, and underground fiber thrown around a lot. Just so in case there are folks out there that that don't know what those definitions are and how we determine what goes aerial and what goes underground. Can you kind of talk about that? So aerial construction would be construction on a pole. <clears throat> so if you say cable on a pole, that that's part of what we consider aerial construction. Uh, buried construction obviously is just the opposite. That's going to be cable that's placed in the ground. Um, in our area, the, the biggest two probably determining factors is if we currently have our own existing pole line, uh, we're going to use that pole line just because it keeps the cost of the project down. Um, the second determining factor for our area is rock, and we have a lot of it in some of the surface territory. So if, you, if you're in an area that is predominantly very rocky, if the terrain is rocky, if it's mountainous, Grundy County comes to mind, um, your home county. My home county. Yeah. Uh, you will see that we place a lot more of the facilities in there. Our preference is to put it in the ground. Um, anywhere that we can, 
that that's where we want to place it. But again, you know, some locations are, are very good with that. If you look at a Viola and a Dibble, you know, you you can place a lot of that cable into the ground. But if you look at a Grundy County, uh, the rock won't allow that. And when we're talking about area putting things up uh, on poles or even in the ground, do do our employees do those? Do is it a combination of our employees and uh, and contractors that come in? Explain who gets to handle what in those things. It's definitely a combination. So you've got uh, as far as routine maintenance and things of that nature. You know, almost a hundred percent of that's our employees. As far as actual construction. It depends on the size of the project. If we're looking at an exchange project, that's going to be contracted just because of the size, the timeline, and the scope of the project. If you look at um, maybe a situation where you know fiber has already been built in the area, there's a new service road that's been put into place, and you have you know 15 homes on that road, uh, that could be our crews that go in and construct that and add that tap. So it's a combination of the What's two. a tap? A tap is going to be, again, it, it's a fiber cable coming off a main line okay. um, that's used to feed, you know, a side road or, or you know, some, some road or some route that wasn't there currently. So that's going to be a tap. So, Chad, you, you mentioned, you know, if we've got an existing pole line or, 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 you know, something like that, most people don't realize, I'm, I'm assuming most of these poles that we see going on the road, they could be ours, could be somebody else's. What, uh, give me, give me some information about you know how that happens or what happens there so the majority of the poles that you see are probably owned by the electric company so uh, most of the poles that we use are with joint use agreements that we have with the local cooperatives and and electric companies Uh, there are cases where um, electric facilities may not be in the area or we take a separate route where we develop our own basically our own pole line uh, what we don't want to do and we try to avoid is is to create another or a second pole line where one pole line already exists uh, for obvious reasons. Homeowners don't like that. You know, property owners don't like that. So if there's a pole line there, uh, we typically try to use it. If it's not ours, we may bury under it if, if it's not rock, if we can do that. Um, and if we have, like I said, if we have to take a different route other than what the electric took, we may establish a pole line at that point. So we, we know that fiber is a little different. We know that, you know, it's glass. We've talked about that before here. Um, you know, we with with copper, we could just kind of, you know, put the pairs together pretty easily. When it comes to fiber, we know it's different. What are some tools that, that your group uses to kind of put the fiber together? Because obviously it doesn't come on one big spool all the way to your house. How do, how do they connect that together? So it, <clears throat> everything that we use is a fusion splice. So there was a time that mechanical splices were a little bit more common. Um, that's not been common for us. We, you know, Everything that we have is fusion splice. So a fusion splicer for us is a very expensive piece of equipment. Um, it's going to have several other things that come along with it, cleavers and things of that nature that are made to cut the fiber and, and to strip the fiber um, before it's placed into the, the splicer itself. And then at that point, basically it uses heat to, to melt and fuse the, the glass together. What, what's the size of the fiber? Like, it, it, what, what can you relate that to that people would understand? It's probably smaller than a strand of hair. Uh, I think that's probably the, the easiest way to go to, to look at it. It's, it's very small. A lot of people will see a, um, a fiber strand with a jacket, and they think that's the fiber, that's the size of it. It's not. Um, the jacket is usually about, I don't know, three to four times bigger than the actual strand itself. So if I'm looking up there on a pole, and, I, and I'm assuming that, that I'm looking at Ben Loman's you know, fiber line that, that's going down through there, is there a good idea as to how many uh, individual strands of fiber are in that? Uh, you can't tell basically by just looking. So um, what I can tell you is it could be anywhere from you know twelve fibers to two hundred and eighty eight. Um, wow. There is a, there is a four thirty two that we try to avoid just because of the time it takes. If it were to be damaged, the time it takes to put that back together, we we would rather run multiple two eighty eights. And be able to get that back quicker. So, for Ben Loman purposes, you're looking at something in between a, a 12 count to a 288. So, uh, kind of following up on that, from time to time, uh, something happens that damages the, the fiber. Mm-hmm. We ran into one of those, I think, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, a couple to a few weeks ago. Um, it, it, I mean, uh, what are different things that cause 
fiber damage when, when we kind of have to have to run and take care of a problem? What are those problems that pop up? <laughs> those are many. So <laughs> <clears throat> we've heard um, of dump trucks before. <laughs> dump, dump trucks, fire, um, you know, transformers. Uh, we just had one recently where, where basically a transformer had caught fire and then caught fire to the cable. So um, transformers. You know, large trucks, you know, that snag or pull on the line, squirrels. Um, Shotguns. Shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> that, that blew me away when I got to Ben Lowen when I started hearing, I think within the first six months. What? Guns? Well, e- even worse than that, BB guns. You know, d- wow. d- dove season. Uh, you know, dove season, we're, we're always busy just because people at times like to shoot them off the line. So, um, and then again, a BB gun is a lot worse. I can locate a shotgun blast on a cable very, very easily because it's visible. Um, a BB that, that goes through a cable wow. and hits, you know, one strand or two strands is a lot, a lot more difficult to locate. So, um, you know, any, anything from firearms to rodents to ants to, I mean, you, you name it uh, for yeah. whatever reason, um, some of the rodents are, are very attracted to. We've heard several several reasons why. I don't know how many of those are true, but they they are attracted to the cable. Um, they do tend to chew it. So whether that's a, you know, if it's in the ground, it may be a, a mole or a rat. Um, if it's in the air, it may be a squirrel. But uh, rodents do like the cable. So, so Chad, we've heard before, um, or, or our customers might hear a lot that you know we need to bury a drop to your house. We need to. You know, hang a drop. When when they say fiber drop, what is that exactly? What are, what are we doing there? So we talked about the twelve to two eighty eight. That that's a mainline cable. So that's the cable that's coming back to the equipment that actually provides the service. Off of that cable, you will have a drop. A, what we call a service drop, um, and that drop basically connects your home back to the mainline cable. So that is what the service drop is. That the service drop would typically run from a knit on the outside of your home back to either an aerial case where we make the splice into the mainline cable or a buried pedestal where we do the same thing. We make the splice into the mainline cable. So that's your connection back to the mainline that gets you back to our basically where we provide the service. And, and so we, we talked about all these multiple fibers that we see hanging on the pole. Typically, what do we, I mean, how many fibers do you run to my house? Typically, we run two. So most of the drops that we run, the service drops that we run in place are a two count. So we we only splice one of those uh, to provide the service, but uh, there's a two count in in the actual drop itself. So you have two fibers available. So, Chad, we've recently at Ben Lomond um, gone to one speed, one price on our gig customers. We mentioned earlier we're about 77% uh, you know, fiber uh, ready uh, throughout our service territory area. One gig seems like a lot. I mean, it is a lot. With synchronous up and down uh, speed there. Uh, but we keep hearing more talk about multi-gig connections, especially for business. Talk about the future of, of speeds, of what we're going to be probably talking and looking and delivering maybe over the years to come. I think that's the beauty of the, the, the fiber network. So you, people will throw around the phrase of, of future-proof. Um, and what that means for Ben Loman and what it means for our customers is basically we're going to be able to keep up with the needs of the customer without having to do a complete overhaul of the infrastructure. Uh to change your service from one gig to 10 gig is basically an electronics change on our side. So it's mm-hmm. not, you know, reworking or rebuilding the infrastructure. The infrastructure itself um, will be able to maintain whatever speeds are needed. So we're looking at, you know, basically an electronics change on, on our side. You know, it could be as simple as an SFP um, and maybe putting a, a switch at the location that, that handles that. We've, uh, we, we talk about this from time to time with folks that have been with Ben Loman a while, and, and you were running around Ben Loman as, as a kid. Uh, but uh, t- talk about the, the growth in speed that just you've seen and how crazy that is. So I, I can remember being here when we put in the first 192 fiber. Um, I was a contractor. I was working downstairs. We were putting it in place, and I can remember laughing because we were we were talking about what would Ben Loman ever need with 192 fibers. Um, 
you know, you look today and now we run a single cable with 288. This was one single 192 that we were setting up in a ring and we thought were, you know, that was ridiculous. And, and that was, I mean, if I look back, that's 20 years ago. Mm. Um, and then as close as I, I guess 10 years ago, I can remember having a conversation with our marketing team about how we could provide, a, I guess, a better broadband service over copper. And we were, we were looking at, you know, adding other devices to the home to be able to do that. Um, and I was kind of arguing that we shouldn't do that because we increased the number of, of failure points inside the home. And the comment was made, you know, I shouldn't really worry about that because at the point at that point in time, we had less than 110 megabit per second customers. Um, now, I mean, the lowest thing that we have is 50. So, and then we or had was 50, and now now we're up to a gig. So. I really don't know, you know, technology is going to drive the future. So, you know, it's really going to be applications and things of that nature. And I think they're going to be more and more bandwidth intensive. And, and we're going to see that number continue to rise. So, Chad, a lot of people are are asking us constantly. I know when I'm out and about, they're like, you know, when's fiber coming out this road or that road? And, you know, lots of times I can't tell them exact addresses. But, you know, I, I tell a lot of people, you know, call in, give them your address. Let's see what we can do for you. Um, but what are some updates on our fiber builds today? Like where, where are we going? What's our plans? So that way people kind of have a good idea. So I think um, I, I hear this a lot. So I hear it a lot from the, the diff, different district managers and, and supervisors. So uh, we've got a lot going on. So the, the first thing that I would say is that we, we currently have construction actually happening um, in just about every county that we serve. So you've got construction in Coffee County currently, Cumberland County. We've got co- uh, construction in Grundy County, Van Buren County, Warren County, um, Black County. Um, so there, there are so many projects going on. I know the, the one frustration that I hear from customers is I've talked to someone and someone told me one thing, now somebody's told me another. Again, depending on which project you're talking about, they may both be telling you the truth. It's just different projects. So it's really difficult to keep up with uh, for any one individual. Um, but what I can say is, you know, over the last two weeks, I think we've released um, what we call MCOO, which is going to be the customers that are served out of McMibble City office there at 311 North Chancery. And if I remember correctly, that, that kind of is the area, like you said, behind the office mm-hmm. uh, at Ben Loman, maybe even stretches towards the civics or through the Milner Rec Center or kind of back, or maybe it's the middle school that, that I hear that, that, that area. We got the middle school remote is actually being built as well. But the, the area that's, you know, just across the road from, from our main office up toward the square um, and then back behind the main office. So that's what that's going to cover. Uh, we also had a, uh, a logger remote that was released that's there at the junction, which is one of their main intersections in, in Groovely Logger. So that was released last week. And then we also had a remote in Dole that was released last week. So we've got a couple more coming in Dole. We've got several coming in Logger in Tracy City. Uh, we have at least two more coming in McMibble City um, that are up to be released. So And then Cumberland County is extremely busy. Hot so. Uh, we've got a lot going on there as well. So, Chad, the you know, if someone hears, you know, hey, we're we're coming out of the the back of Ben Loman's office and doing some in the city, um, a lot of people are are curious that they're saying, well, hey, I've I've got it out in the county, which is out in the middle of nowhere, but you know, let's say in town, I can't get it. What? Why is that? Why do Why do we go out to the county before we go to the city, or or what are what are the reasons for making those decisions? So what I, what I had mentioned earlier was our ILEC service territory, and that basically is our membership. So That, that cooperative a, member. That is that. our cooperative member. That is our cooperative boundary. I know it's a little strange, but, but because of the way things lay out, McMibble City itself is actually, it would be the ILEC not for us, but for another provider. Yeah. So um, it's competitive in that area for us. So what we've done is we've we focused on and we we have tried really tried hard to make sure that that we cover uh, the gaps from McMibble City. It's obviously very important to us. Our office sits right in the middle of it, um, but we also have a responsibility to our membership. So we're making sure that we're taking care of our membership, and then we're trying to to come back and also take care of those that take care of us that are you know directly in the vicinity of our main office. Um, as we kind of wrap up here, Chad, um, t- 
this this building that, that we're podcasting from right now, um, most people, when they think of Ben Loman, they think of that main office, you know, that, that's down on Chancery Street. But this is such a, a vital building that sits out here on Smithville Highway. Talk to us just a bit about all the departments out here and just, like I said, the importance of the ops building to all offices of Ben Loman. Uh, the ops building is, is something that's, it's pretty unique to Ben Loman as far as, as what we have here and, and what we've been fortunate enough to, to work with. So we have our engineering department is here, our install repair department is here, construction, splicing, our warehouse. Um, Big warehouse, pretty good size warehouse. A, a very, very nice size warehouse and a large yard. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got um, several departments here that are extremely busy right now because of the, the construction that's going on. A lot of that is is worked out of this building. And uh, for for those family members that are out there that listen to this that enjoy BLTV, there's a pretty important building behind the ops building for that as well. There is our our head end is actually located directly behind the ops building. So okay, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, uh, taking time out of not only your schedule here at Ben Loman but also your fishing schedule, which I know is a big big schedule that that you're you know so. So thanks for letting us hook you into this podcast. I appreciate it. Chad Dees, Director of Operations here at Ben Lomond Connect. This is the BLC Connection Podcast, and it's time for our Connected Home segment. I'm Karen Wilson, and we are back with Michael Lawrence and Brian Kell to take a deep dive into more Ben Lomond Home products, specifically Experience IQ and Protect IQ. So let me just open this up, guys. As someone whose children uh, were growing up at the beginning of the digital revolution, I wish these two options that we're getting ready to talk about that Ben Lohman offers were around then. Uh, everyone has their own method, you know, for policing the Internet at home. Brian, how did you manage this with your kids when they were young? This is always going to be good. The parenting skills of Micah Lawrence and Brian Kell. Yeah. <laughs> this is not, this is not going to be. Okay. So, and we were kind of talking a little bit about this before we got uh, rolling on this. The biggest concerns I had of raising kids, much to the much age of, of yours, kind of mine, are, mine are now 26, uh, 25, and 22. So the biggest thing growing up was uh, how much TV are you watching? Uh, and then later on, obviously, at what time do you give a kid a smartphone? You know, I don't think necessarily my kids uh, had tablets and things like that. But screen time was, was a concern. Um, and if you ever did ground, those were easy things to immediately kind of go, okay, you're losing screen time on or you're losing your phone or something along those lines. So... I, like you said, I wish we had had these type of things uh, because you had you and you know the the family had to decide. You and your wife or you and your husband had to decide at what point do I give this kid a smartphone? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really all or nothing. There was nothing like this to help kind of filter, at least in, to my knowledge and, and where I was at the time, to really help filter things. It was like, okay, what point do I give this kid this this access? Uh, to all things that are on the internet and that is great things and those are horrible things Um, so we kind of developed a situation to where it was like uh, at this age uh, you can have this type of phone Um, or uh, you know you you can only you know hey you need to turn that off and that's that's enough of of at that point probably tv and maybe some laptop Um, but yeah those were those kind of discussions i wish and micah's raising one that's younger than, than, than ours, that there had been something to be able to help you parent mm-hmm. better and to allow your kids to not get as exposed to what is out there in the ways that there were back then. Well, and I, I don't guess. think we really understood the effects of no. screen time. Um, you know, now we're kind of seeing these kids that aren't socially uh, interactive yep. in person with other kids and things like that. So we didn't really know at that point to be fearful of that or to caught, you know, have caution against that. And you and I are slightly older than Micah, but, uh, but, but, you know, we didn't have, I mean, our things that, that probably we didn't, I don't know about you, but we didn't go inside to play with stuff, whether that was even gaming consoles, Ataris and all that kind of stuff. If it was a pretty day outside or if there were, it, it was all about being outside. And so more and more as technology has grown, it's pulled kids inside more than outside so we were lucky i think to probably 
missed some of that. Mike was so heavy into computers and stuff that that probably he probably had a balance of being outside and really enjoying computer time too. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of the way I started. You know, we I almost feel like we were the the gaming generation. You know, when yep. you know Ataris were were kind of at their peak, and then you know this thing called a Nintendo, um, you know, came came to be about and. It, it did bring us inside absolutely a lot more. Got me into you know wanting to deal with computers. Uh, of course, I, I used to work you know play with Apple computers at that time, and um, you know still into the Apple side now. But when it comes to to the way you know I'm I'm trying to protect my daughter is I see a difference from when I started. You know when we started with dial up internet. You know this this thing you had to if someone you know, called in, you got knocked off of it. Um, you know, from there till till now is things were a little bit more difficult to get to. Um, you know, viruses and you know, malicious websites and, you know, pornography and things of that nature were a lot more difficult to get to. And now it seems to be incredibly available to them. Um, so, you know, being able to have something there to kind of protect them is, is a necessity, I think, in today's day and age. And, you know, um, you know, with the whole talk about the the social part of this is that's the other side of this coin too is when we talk about screen time, we want to be very careful because I have noticed this generation of kids, this one coming up around my daughter's age, she's about to be a teenager, they're almost becoming antisocial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they would prefer that, you know, we used to, to, to go to different events, you know, whether it's church-related or, or something public, and we would want to do that to go and, and actually have conversation with people or, or to meet friends. Now they're like, I, I don't want to do that. I'd rather just text them or, or, or watch a YouTube video. And, um, of course, you know, TikToks are a big thing. And I think it's just, you know, one thing I told my daughter the other day is, like, when it comes to, like, TikToks and YouTube videos, they see all these cool things that happen and, you know, oh, wow, that was cool. That was amazing. But when we go out in the real world and actually see something that's really cool and awesome, like, meh, I've seen that before. So they're, they're kind of, you know, losing some of that antisocial and you know, being antisocial and not really, you know. It's almost like they're spectators and not yeah. Uh, yeah. participants. That's right. And, and to me is, you know, I want to protect her as long as possible. Obviously, you don't don't want to shelter your children too much, but, you know, you want to protect them for those things that that can be extremely damaging or or lifelong damaging. Mm -hmm. So um, I I try to do the best I can uh, with with what I've got. (laughs) So that brings us in to talk about um, Experience IQ and Protect IQ, which is two new things that that we have through the Ben Lohman app. Um, give us a general overview of the purpose of, of those two things. So Experience IQ, uh, I think it's probably uh, good to probably talk. It, it, it's going to be an extra layer of being able to manage devices. Uh, that, that's probably the overview uh, for, uh, you know, in this case, we're probably talking about kids. Um, it's important to note that there are still some management features on the regular Ben Loman Home app. And again, you must have Ben Loman Home to be able to have access to these uh, two features. They run as low as 10 cents a day. So th- there's your marketing you know, plug there for that uh, with, uh, with each of these. Uh, you do have the ability uh, without getting experience IQ to uh, be able to create a profile, let's say for uh, my son or my daughter and put devices under that that they use. And we've talked about this in previous podcasts uh, to where if you want to kill all the um, uh, basically connectivity to a device or to all those devices, you can do that. You don't have to have experience IQ to be able to do that. You can even be able to schedule uh, times and days uh, when it comes down to, uh, you know, by individual as far as the the amount of time that they're spending on that. Uh, when you get into Experience IQ, it's kind of getting more laser focused. And, and we're talking about specific time with specific applications and or websites. And so uh, th- that's probably the overview of Experience IQ. And I think we'll probably dive more into into what those do in just a bit. So I'll let you take Mr. Protector. I'll let you talk about Protect. <laughs> So Protect IQ, uh, to explain the difference really between Experience IQ and Protect IQ, Experience IQ is kind of protecting from the inside outward. 
you know, that that type of content, you know, kids, someone inside. Protect IQ protects you from the outside coming in. So you could see this as, as kind of like a firewall. If you've ever heard of a firewall, it's protecting you from incoming traffic because, you know, hack, hackers are rampant on the Internet. They are, you know, actively trying to scan things to see if they can get in through any vulnerabilities. And what Protect IQ does is basically, you know, kind of stops that or monitors it. It's kind of your your traffic cop. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's very helpful. Uh, and we'll talk about just how far that 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 protection spreads um, later on in our podcast. So, Brian, it sounds like Experience IQ is an upgrade from what you get with the Ben Loman app. You said it it kind of laser focuses uh, the the control. Give us, I guess, more of the differences between the app and subscribing to um, Experience IQ. Yeah, and so, and, and real quick, I'll throw a quick plug in to something that you work a lot on, and that's that's the website. You can find some more inf- all the information that we're talking about on the Ben Loman homepage on our website. You can do one of two things: go to Internet uh, Services, I believe, uh, Residential, and then from there you can choose Ben Loman Home. Or what I do most of the time, honestly, go to the search engine at the very top and type in Ben Loman Home, and then just click on Ben Loman Home, and it takes you straight to the page. So if if you happen to miss something this or feel like you want some more information, that's a great place for everybody to be able to go. So that quick plug there. Uh, we talked about it, that that you can, it's kind of more uh, a shotgun approach with the app itself before you add Experience IQ. It's a difference to probably shooting a shotgun and being able to shoot a, a, a sniper rifle. We like doing that in uh, Call of Duty and stuff like that, right, Micah? Oh, yeah. yeah so um, so uh, here's some of the things that, that Experience IQ can really help you with, and that is, Things that I know, Mike has already said it, you said it, that we wish we had when, when our kids were growing up, especially to, in today's age. Uh, to be able to block inappropriate uh, categories, pornography, violence, that's extremely important on that side. If there are applications that you just don't want your kid messing with at a certain age, if you don't want them on TikTok, if you don't want them on YouTube, uh, then you can be able to go and say, listen, with this device or with these devices, I don't want them to have access to these type of applications. It's great to be able to do that. That's what Experience IQ can do. We talked about screen time, setting time limits, uh, not only with just overall screen time, but in this case, if you don't want your kid to be more than 30 minutes a day on YouTube, you can set those type of time limits when it comes down to certain applications that are there. Um, Other things that it can do, uh, you know, set safe search and YouTube restriction to block harmful or inappropriate content when searching on Google, Bing, or YouTube. You know, search engines to be able to have that kind of uh, layer there to be able to do that is, is very good. And then you can, you know, view usage of all devices and understand how the Internet is being used in your home. Just to be able to look and be able to analyze, we're all about analysis. I know Micah's huge into that. And to be able to say, where is my kid spending most of his time or her time? And, you know, because uh, uh, that that could be important just to have a better understanding of where your child is going. So it's it's that. It's, it's more than that, too. I didn't get into every line item. But just giving you as a parent uh, a little bit more uh, peace of mind and also the ability to be able to know where they're going and and if you don't want them going certain places to put the kibosh on that if that I think helps. it's so neat too that um, you know there's places where we all go YouTube Pinterest um, Facebook all of those things that are generally pretty good but with the audience, also predators tend to go there, putting things out there that you don't want your kids to see. Well, instead of me having to go into each of those individually and set perimeters, I can do it basically from this uh, or experience IQ, and it's going to cover everything, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, something else that I did leave off as well that, that can be very important, especially as you have... Uh, more and more people that are working from home. If you want to set priorities on certain certain devices to take precedence uh, and have a, I guess, Mike, a better way of saying the best experience possible, and not, I guess, uh, if you're if you're working from home and you your specific laptop needs to have top priority because you're working from home, you can set that priority 
inexperienced IQ to be able to help uh, make sure that that you, that the gamer in your family is not taking priority over a very important Zoom call that's going on at that particular time, right? Yeah, and and this is we we call this prioritization on the, in the network networking world because what you might end up having is let's say your your son or your daughter's in there watching Netflix or Hulu, you know they they could be you know. Yeah, using up all the bandwidth or using quite a bit of the bandwidth. So this takes it to where, you know, your machine that you're trying to use for work is actually able to have priority over that. So that way, you know, you're not sitting there waiting for, you know, something to come up or something to download. You're getting priority over something that is, you know, not a not a big, big concern. Now, we'll say this, too, uh, especially for all of our fiber customers that are that are listening out there. It helps so much to have that synchronous gig connection uh, to, for this to be a part of that because uh, the hope would be uh, that, that maybe you're not you know going to run into that problem unless you've really got a lot of stuff going on at your house and a lot of family members that are pulling from that. But that gig gig, this is a great point to be able to bring that up. That helps so much with maybe that not even being much of an issue at all. Well, and, and something I'd like to bring up to everybody is the beauty of Ben Loman Home and being able to have the, the gig expire in there like we've talked about in previous podcasts is when you go out to to some of these big box stores and buy some of these routers, you know, from different prices, you know, you might be given a gig gig from Ben Loman, but maybe your router can't support it. Or it, it's, let's say it's Wi-Fi 5, which might not have the same amount of bandwidth on the wireless side. So, you know, that's a, a big concern with, with uh, Ben Loman's Ben Loman Home. You're actually getting Wi-Fi 6. That's the latest and greatest. Got plenty of bandwidth there on the wireless side. So, makes things so much better as far as the experience for for everybody in the home mm-hmm. well i can think of many instances during the covid lockdown where i would have loved to have prioritized yeah. my uh you know i was on a zoom call for work my husband was over there gaming we didn't have gig at the house at that point mm-hmm. so uh mm-hmm. many instances and the kids too mm-hmm. Okay, another issue that that we have from young to old is getting viruses, um, hacking, which can lead to identity theft. Tell us how Protect IQ kind of differs from your traditional virus protector like McAfee or or something of that nature that we download to our laptop. So when we talk about antivirus, we're generally talking about software on the machines. Um, You know, when you talk about McAfee, Norton's, Trend Micro, you know, any of those pieces of software, they're running on the device itself. But what you don't realize is things like iPads, phones, um, you know, there's lots of times people buy computers and it doesn't have any uh, built-in antivirus or they didn't pay for it or it's not up to date. Um, we, we find it all over the place. Everybody thinks, well, Windows has their built-in built in one, which they do, um, but it's not perfect. And so this is more of a network-based uh, security where you know it's monitoring traffic coming in it's also making sure that some of the malicious sites that are out there you can't get to um, we, we know that this list of malicious websites is updated weekly uh, on our part so that way you know we're staying up to date with the, the latest and greatest information but as far as incoming stuff you know we talked about earlier about hackers coming in you know they're constantly scanning IP addresses they're constantly you know saying you know hey is there a port open here or or can i get in this way to try to attack them and what this does is it it's got some smarts in it that says okay i see what you're doing i'm gonna shut you down i'm not going to talk to you more you're not allowed to talk to me to me i always equate this to you know like when we're looking at our kids and we see a friend come by that or so-called friend that you know probably not great for our kids yeah a little sketchy for our kids you know we want to kind of shut that down say okay that's that's not okay we're not okay with that and so we with this we do the same principles we do not want to talk to you basically is because we don't want you to try to get our information we don't want you to try to infect my machine you know one of the things that's very rampant on the internet um, that, that we talk about in our security awareness training for businesses is um, you know ransomware. You know ransomware is a big deal. We want to make sure that we cut that off because we don't want you encrypting all the files, especially business files, things that are important to your business. We don't want you encrypting that where you know you can't get your information back. So, Protect IQ is kind of that smart firewall and. The biggest part about this is with Protect IQ is it differs from normal firewalls that you would buy on you know routers out in in the world is because 
it's proactive as opposed to reactive. Mm-hmm. And so we want to proactively watch these. And then as the user at home, I can also get alerts saying, you know, something's happening here. So, you know, let's say a, a device comes to my network that's infected. I'll immediately know it because it's going to pop up on my phone and say, hey, something's not right here. Or, you know, if someone's trying to, from the outside, trying to come in, it'll alert me that as well. So in case I need to do something about that. So being able to be proactive about my security as opposed to reactive, because generally in the in the technology world, <laughs> If you're reacting, it's already too late. You know, it's it's already done the damage. So we want to be proactive in our security, and Protect IQ does that. So I like the way you put that. It's it's protecting your network. So even if you have guests at your house bringing a random phone in, but they're using your Wi-Fi, then your network or every device on there is still protected uh, because of it's it's based on the network and not per device. Mm-hmm. In my experience with with IT and businesses, is you don't trust devices you don't know about. If you you know when you have a vendor come in or, or a guest come into your network, you all, almost always want to segregate their traffic from main business side. In this case, we're talking about the home. Is you know you're about a family member over or friends and you. Honestly, you can't trust their devices. Not that that person is doing anything intentionally. We find a lot of this is just you know pure mistake, or they really don't even know it's infected. So this protects you and your equipment, so that way you know if anybody brings in something else that you're protected. You know your whole uh, system of computers and tablets and all that stuff's protected, mm-hmm. not compromised not by com- someone coming in. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this real quick because. Uh, I've probably had Protect IQ on my phone for about 15 months, something along those lines, whenever it first started. And uh, within the first couple to a few months, it blocked a threat. And I thought, wow, it's pretty cool. It went on probably for close to a year, <clears throat> excuse me, a year without getting any more notices through Protect IQ. This week, three. And so... It's one of those things. I said this when there was something we shared on social media, a, a, a video that kind of talks about Protect IQ and the importance of it. In my opinion, penny for penny of any service that Ben Lonely Connect has, obviously Giga is important, and that's kind of that's that's a given. It is, in my opinion, the best service you can have because of that extra layer of protection, and you don't realize you need it in some cases until it's too late, and you run into that all the time on the business side but to be able to still have it you don't know if it's if it's doing its job or not until it does its job and so to go a year without it and then this week of all weeks when we were fixing to talk about these things three different times it blocked threats on my on and it came in because i had it um identified through ben loman home the different devices that were there i knew it was on my wife's phone each of those three times. So that's just utilizing Ben Loman Home and Protect IQ to really give you the information you need and to go, wow, thanks, it's doing its job. Well, and and what I'd like to do is take a second to to make sure that if there's any business uh, business people that are listening, sure. you know, if you've got this question, do I need this protection? Do I need some protection? The answer is 100% yes, always. If you don't know about your protection on your computers or your network, then you're at risk. And the reason why I say that is because uh, one of the things we talk about, like I said, in our security awareness training that we do for businesses is we talk about, um, you know, possibly losing this personal identifiable information, you know, things like social security numbers, um, you know, phone numbers, addresses, names, all this information is you're responsible for that data. And if a hacker obtains that information, you are financially responsible for that information and I, I tell a lot of people if you don't have cyber insurance you're you're rolling the dice and, and it is very important for you to have that is you're running the risk and it's a make or break in some of these occasions you're one ransomware attack away from losing your entire business so if there's any business customers listening if you don't know about your network and technology protection then you're at risk. You need to go find out about it. If you need help, we'll absolutely help you. But it is of vital importance. So, you know, talking about businesses, but isn't, 
you know, you're in managed IT as well. Isn't that equally as important or not, maybe not as, or, or maybe as mm-hmm. for a residential customer? I mean, what kind of information are they putting out there that to them, if someone gets their credit card number, it's devastating. So I'll give everyone a tip. Um, and a lot of people have never really even thought about free this. Tip. Free, free tip, free tip, free tip. Right, I'll give you a free tip. Um, for those that are on Facebook, I think we've all seen it is either your friends will send you something or they themselves will will do it. And they'll answer this like 20 to 30 question survey about themselves. You know, what was your nickname as a child? And, you know, what was your favorite pet? And they'll answer all these questions. And, you know, between friends to friend, this is interesting information just to see where, where, you know, how they grew up and, and what their thoughts are. But what they don't realize is most of these questions, or a few of them in particular, are the exact same questions that are your security questions for your bank accounts or your other accounts online, and you're just giving them the answer. So, And a lot of Facebook stuff is deemed public, uh, whether you believe it or not. It's nothing, no such thing as private there. And so you're giving them this information to easily change your password, hack your account. I mean, you know, I tell people uh, there's password files out on the Internet that has every birth date known to man, every dog's name, every cat's name, every son and daughter's name, every combination of lettering and wording you can imagine. They can easily guess your password. It's, It's available to them. So, you know, be very cautious about what you put online and then also where you go. Make sure that, you know, what you're clicking on is where you're wanting to go. So you mean there's not somebody out there just making a fun program for the heck of it for me to answer all of these questions? Yeah, I mean, I know it's, it's so interesting. If you really want to know about somebody, I'll give you even another free tip. Oh, here we go. Go and talk to them. It's, it's amazing. It's called human interaction. <laughs> So we're going back. We're, we're kind of going back. Yeah, we're, we're going back. We're it's, 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 it's human interaction as opposed to trying to put all this information out on the Internet for everyone to read. Um, it's very dangerous, and I don't think people realize how dangerous it actually is. Yeah, I, I, you know, I go back to family members and stuff that are like, oh, my laptop's not working. What happened? But they love to click on these little ads and or friend requests, fake friend requests. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of that runs rampant on Facebook, too. So yeah. uh, you have to be very careful, and especially if people message you that yes. maybe do not speak good English. Maybe they do. I don't know. But, you know, if you don't know, if it's someone random messaging you, don't Mm. answer. Well, I'll give you a quick joke. You know, a lot of people, when you install a a piece of software, it always comes up with like the terms and conditions and everybody, instead of looking at what some of the stuff says, they just hit next, 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 next until it actually finishes. So the joke is, is Adam and Eve were the first ones to not read the Apple terms and conditions. Oh, but um, <laughs> wait, do I have that? I do have that. I like that. And as someone who uses Apple, I can, I get it. I get it for there sure. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you guys both for weighing in on these two new features. I feel like I need to call customer service immediately and take these myself because if anybody needs protecting, it's my network. I mean, even though you kids kind of leave and yeah. there's always just that need for that at the house and experience IQ too. So thank you both for weighing in on that. So we're back with Connect BLC. Karen, what can we expect from Channel 6 and then also the Connection Magazine for the month of July? Channel 6 is coming down from a busy time right now. We have uh, had tons of live content with all the graduations from kindergarten graduation to high school graduation so kind of taking a breather right now but we'll have our normal content coming out as far as the magazine goes um have any of you eaten at the rock island trolley stop yet i have not. or had ice cream there i have seen it and i would like to yes well it's you know about as whatever you order is about as big as your head and be ready for donuts and all of those things hanging off of it i mean so that's one of our stories is the rock island trolley stop what a neat place to go uh just down the road for you know warren and white county customers and a fun place to uh you might have to wait a little bit on your ice cream because they are extra special but that's one of the main stories we're working on for july and august 
All right. So, Brian, what kind of events can we see around our service area in June? So the mobile Wi-Fi van starting to creep out a little bit more. Uh, in May, uh, it, we're recording the last part of May, but this past uh, week, it found itself, uh, the mobile Wi-Fi van, that is, at the Grundy County High School graduation. Uh, and I was looking through, Karen, and I didn't see anything necessarily set in stone for June. There's some stuff getting set for July, and then we're going to be mov- moving into fair. So more information and follow any of our social media accounts as far as when the mobile Wi-Fi van will be there and how you can stay connected at different events that are out there. However, some indoor events, and in some ways uh, in in a cave event that are, that are going on in June, uh, Warren Arts, located on Manchester Highway in McMinnville, has got Walk, Don't Ride, a celebration of the fight for equality from June 10th through the 18th at the Cumberland County Playhouse, which was featured as the cover of last month's uh, or the past or the one that's out right now, I should say, uh, Connection Magazine, Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella from June 10th through August 21st at the Palace Theater in Crossville. The biggest thing I'd find on there is something me and Micah probably would think is pretty cool is that for three straight Saturdays, they're going to show Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi that's going to be showcasing over there. So that's kind of cool to be able to see it if you haven't seen it on the big screen. Might be a great way to go travel over to the Palace Theater and catch that. The Caverns in Pelham, Pink Floyd, Laser Spectacular. I think that is so cool. I'm in. (laughs) And uh, so that's going to be an underground show. That's on June 11th. Many other things going on over there, too, as well. And at the Park Theater in McMinnville, Dreams Come True, a musical theater workshop. It's for second graders all the way through 12th graders. The workshop begins June 13th through June 17th with the performance to take place on June 18th. Again, lots of things going on at all those places. Reach out to them or go online and take a look at their schedules. But those are just a brief glimpse as far as what all's happening around our service area. Awesome. Thank you, guys. So, time for Yield Dictionary. Okay. And this time we're not going to do, uh, what did we do last time? Phobias. Phobias. I, I you did phobias. So, we're going to go back to some words that you might not know. So, you're, Are these things that make you go, hmm? These are things that make you go, hmm. Okay. So, the word is ghosted. Oh, I know that. Yeah, so, that's like. Following somebody. You don't follow like like they're trying to reach out to you and you don't respond. It's like you disappeared. Yeah, um, kind of like you would like an ex girlfriend or a Ooh, boyfriend okay. or maybe even a bill collector. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's about right. So it's ding, ding. it's so when uh, when you go on a date with someone you meet online and you thought things were going well but they never responded. Unfortunately, you've been ghosted. ghosted. All right. Now I'm pretty sure you're not going to get this one. All right. It is on fleek. Two words, on fleek. Uh, is that like I don't a, have it. It seems like I've heard the word fleek for some reason, but I have no idea. On point? But uh-huh. we've, is it, I mean, I don't know. You're, you're, you're actually right. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> All right. All yep. right. Yeah, that's basically a two replacement for, for, for on Karen. point. Way to go. Awesome. Good job. Those kids, I can't take credit. I hear that's this right. useless information from my children, and I'm left to decipher it on my own. And sometimes I even have to look it up. Well, if anybody else has any uh, words that they would like to share with me, I know I'll get uh, some from different departments uh, at Ben Loman and then also others. So if anybody's got any words that they would like to stump Karen and Brian with, as long as they're PG rated, yes. um, feel free to send us to send it to us via email and we'll, uh, we'll try to get it on here. Well, another podcast is in the books, Karen and Micah. And so as our part of our wrap up here, Micah, bring us home on where folks can find us. So you can uh, submit your questions to us. You message us on BLC Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn accounts, or just email us at blcpodcast at net. And absolutely check out our podcast on multiple different platforms, things like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and a bunch of other ones. Or on the website, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And Karen, uh, the many episodes for the BLC Connection Podcast focus in on business and community. 
Do you have one, or are you going to keep us in limbo well, on this Well, I've reached out to some interesting uh, people about that, and I'm working on something. Last month, I had a great interview with Tony Lawrence from the Bobby Branch Church of Christ. We talked What's his about last name? Lawrence. Uh, mm. Mm, smelling, okay. you know, see any difference there? I think I like that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> better like that yeah. guy. <laughs> so... Um, we talked about technology, and I'm always looking for businesses that go, you know, it doesn't even have to be a business, but organizations that kind of go above and beyond. And so I've got a few things in the works for that. Good deal. I will say that I sat in the wings for the Tony Lawrence interview. Nicest Lawrence man I've ever met. Great guy. <laughs> I would agree. Great guy. Uh, on next uh, episode of the full version of the podcast, we are going to have Gina Berry. She's the business development and customer relations manager. And Karen, long-time, uh, long-time Ben Loman employee, but also a long-time friend. Too. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have known each other probably since kindergarten. Brothers were friends. So, yeah, me and Gina go way back. I've mentioned that before, so won't get into the specifics. But we've had a, a playground rumble or two wow. and had friendships and things like that. So, yeah. Uh, Great, great person. Dicey could be a dicey uh, podcast as we dive into the the history of of Karen and, and Gina. But no, join us next time on that. Hey, and thanks for li- thank you guys. And we also want to thank Chad Dees for for jumping on the podcast with us today. Continue to uh, take care of yourselves out there. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and most importantly, stay connected.